Well, good morning. I want to welcome each and every one of you this morning. Thanks for taking the time to be together. It's been an exciting morning already as uh, got the, again, privilege to see a new birth in Christ. And also this morning, we're just, it's exciting to see each and every one of you here this as we gather together and we're continuing to kind of figure out kind of how everything works. And so one of the things that we're doing currently is having all of our kids be with us uh, at the beginning part of the service. And if you would like, you are free to allow your children to head downstairs for a children's church time at this time. If you prefer to keep your children with you, you're more than welcome to do that as well. Uh, but if that is something that uh, you would like for your children to be a part of, that's just right down the hall and down the steps. And you're free to take them down there with them if you would like to do that as well. As they make their way out, we're encouraged to continue through a, a series called Parables Through Matthew. And this series is going to wrap up in three weeks. Uh, after today, and so we are in Matthew chapter 21 today. If you want to turn to your scriptures, I would really appreciate that. That way you can highlight things, uh, whether it be on your digital devices or anything like that. If you're online at home, thank you for taking the time to join us this morning. It's a privilege to be able to gather not only in person, but uh, across houses, states, the, around the world, and so thank you for joining us online this morning. Again, we're in Matthew chapter 21, and uh, we're going to be in verses 28 through 32 for the parable of the two sons this morning, but as you look at chapter 21, you begin to see kind of what's taking place, and at the beginning of chapter 21, we're getting near the cross. We're getting close to when Jesus goes to the cross, and chapter 9 begins, excuse me, this Chapter 21 begins with the Lord entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And in verse 9, you hear the voices crying out, Hosanna, which again is this idea of please save us. They're looking for an earthly Savior. And I pray this morning we are looking for an eternal Savior. And as you continue through 21 of Matthew, you see in verses 12 through 13, Jesus goes into the temple of the Lord, and he drives out the money changers and the merchants, and Jesus tells them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. Jesus isn't just kind of blending into the crowd, he's standing up for truth, and he's not backing down. And in verse 14 through 15, for those verses, Jesus healed the blind and the lame people who came to him in the temple. And when the chief priests and the teachers of the law see what's taking place and all the wonderful things that Jesus is doing, you'd think they'd be excited, but they're not. They're getting worked up. They, they don't like what's taking place. In fact, as we look into verse 23, a few days later, the chief priests and the elders confront the Lord again at the temple, and this time they're trying to figure out a way to trap him. To, they're trying to test Jesus. They're trying to get him to, to trip up, to make a mistake in order that they can see, see, yeah, you're not who you say you are. And in fact, they begin to try to challenge his authority. If you look in verse 23, we're going to watch these verses play out on the screen in just a moment but as we look at verse 23 in chapter 21 of Matthew, we see 
Jesus and the interaction between the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And it's always interesting how Jesus interacts. But I really want you to pay attention as we get down to verse 28 as the parable begins. And think about what your response in this situation might be. As we begin chapter 21, verse 23, all the way down through 32. What authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? I also will ask you one thing, which if ye tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Whence was it? From heaven or of men? If we shall say from heaven, then he will say unto us, Why did ye not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. We cannot tell. Neither tell I you by what authority I do these. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. And went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father? The first. Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that ye might believe him. You have some things going on in the background of the context of this parable. You have the Pharisees that are trying to trap Jesus and, and they're thinking they're better than everybody else, that they're holy and mighty. And Jesus is saying, you're not even paying attention. You're not seeing the truth. And so he shares this parable of a scenario of two sons. And these two sons had to decide how they were going to respond to the father and I guess we respond to thousands of things each and every day. And maybe for some of us, it begins with the alarm clock going off in the morning. How are we going to respond to that? Are we going to get up or are we going to stay in bed? And we, it might, we respond to things like text messages and emails and phone calls. We respond to if it's hot or if it's cold. 
or we respond to different conversations or a pain that might take place. I was responding to helping the steels move late last night as I laid down in bed and my back was not feeling the greatest. And I thought, man, I'm getting old here. 40 years old, you'd think I could handle moving a few boxes, but we respond to the, the humor that might take place in our lives or anger or love, respect and fear. And we respond to victories or setbacks and defeats. And how we respond makes a big difference. These two sons had to respond to the father. And Chuck Swindoll once said, I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me, and 90% of how I react to it. See, how we respond does make a difference. And that is especially true when it comes to Jesus. Nothing is more important than our response to Jesus. And so as we begin this morning, how will you respond to Jesus? And another question that we might ask ourselves this morning is, which son am I? Will you pray with me? Father, this morning, we desire for you to speak mightily and boldly into our lives. May your word not come back void. God, may it go out like a double-edged sword that convicts hearts and changes lives. God, may you speak to us right now. We invite you to, to change who we are. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. See, Jesus speaks another pretty simple, straightforward parable, not too long. And it's the parable of the two sons. And one of the sons says, no, I won't. When the father asks him to go and work and gives him instruction. And, and yet later on he regrets disobeying the father. And he goes and he works. And the other son says, yes. Sir, yep, I'll get right on that, okay, yep. And, and when the he, father leaves and the son goes away, he doesn't make it to the vineyard. And then Jesus asks the question, which of the two sons did what his father wanted of him? And the answer, of course, came from not only the Pharisees, but those standing around that it was the first one. No matter what either of them said. And then Jesus tells them what it meant. God is the father, and they, the Jewish leaders, are the second son who said everything pleasingly but was unfaithful. The tax gatherers and the prostitutes who rejected the word of God but came to repent when John preached were the ones who were disobedient at first but then turned back and did the will of their father. Then Jesus said that the tax gatherers and the prostitutes were going to go to heaven before any of them. And man, what a powerful word of judgment. To be in that moment, to, I'm sure I would just be like shrinking back thinking, oh man, Jesus, you're going to get everybody really worked up here. And yet, that's what was taking place. The shameless hypocrisy and unfaithfulness of the leaders of the Jews was clearly condemned. And they could imagine no person more foul than these sinners that were listed. And yet Jesus says these sinners were the ones that were more righteous. 
by far. The faithfulness of the sinner who repents is far greater than the half-hearted, uncommitted, so-called believer who says all the right things and yet does not live up to what they say. There's really nothing subtle about this story. There's no real hidden meaning. Jesus clearly says there's two kinds of people. Some people, like the man's first son, who initially doesn't want anything to do with the father asks of him, eventually they come around. Or there are some people, like the man's second son, who right away say they will do what the father asks of them, but never really do. And as we look at these two types of people from the parable, I would like for you to evaluate where you might be this morning in your life. How are you responding to Jesus today? And I want to first begin with a group of people who do not talk the talk, but eventually they do walk the walk. And if you look at chapter 21 of Matthew again, verse 28, we meet the first group of people. And if you were to take notes this morning, I encourage you to maybe write down people whose practice is better than their profession. People whose practice is better than their profession. In verse 29, it says, The father went to the son and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard. He answered, I will not. But later, he changed his mind and went. And I can just imagine, this son is probably the son that keeps his parents up late at night worrying where he, he was told to be home at midnight and 1 a.m. rolls around and his parents are wide awake in bed waiting and worrying for this son to, to show up. Maybe he's the black sheep of the family. And this first son represents people who really maybe messed up early on in life. At, and in the context of this story, they're, they're rejecting the father to begin with. But eventually they get headed in the right direction. And yet again at this time, they're the people that are the quote-unquote losers. They're, they're the unreligious, the non-religious people that are, are making mistakes right and left. They're the notorious sinners. And I would guess that most of us have been asked to do things at times in our lives where we didn't really want to do them. And some of you are equipped with the defense mechanism to say no. But then there's others of you that always seem to say yes and then kick yourself later for saying yes because you really wanted to say no. And this first son, he had the defense mechanism. Father says, go work in my vineyard. He says no. In fact, basically he's saying to his dad, take a hike, dad. I don't want anything to do with what you're telling me to do. And yet, as this first son says no, he begins to think through that. And he eventually goes. But I can imagine, initially, he probably thought, I don't want to go. That's going to be work. In fact, it says it right there in the verse, go work in my vineyard. 
I don't, I don't want to get hot and sweaty. I don't want to, you know, go through difficult times. And yet, when it comes to our Christian walk, God doesn't promise us things that are going to be easy. In fact, in Matthew 6, verse, excuse me, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Isn't it difficult to deny yourselves? I know it is for me. Every once in a while, I try to go on diets. I'm in one of those phases right now. I'm trying to slim down just a little bit, not a ton. But yesterday, as we were helping the Steels, and they provided a great lunch for us, free pizza, basically all you can eat, and pop. It was difficult for me to deny myself. In fact, I should have only had one, and I had three, all right? It's difficult to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and yet that's what Jesus is calling us to, to do what's difficult when it comes to our faith. Being a Christian isn't, isn't easy. In fact, a lot of times it's downright difficult to live out and be obedient to what God has called us to. And for some reason this morning, some of us, you hear the call to be obedient to the word of God and you just want to keep doing what you're doing. You just want to keep staying involved in the same things that you've been staying involved in. And it, it kind of reminds me of when, my, when I go into my children's room and, and there's times where they're just playing along, having a good time. It's so quiet in that room that I'm like, what is going on? Right? And so I go in there and, and they're right in the middle of the room. Maybe they're playing Legos or, and maybe they're playing with a, a cardboard creation that they've constructed. And yet... All around them is chaos. It's like destruction, clothes, uh, bins pulled out, things all around that are just completely destroyed. And I'm like, whoa, no wonder it's so quiet in here. They've been having a good time, all right? And I, I say, well, why don't we go ahead and stop for a minute with what you're playing with, and let's clean up the room. And a lot of times, you can guess what their answer might be. Can I, can I just finish playing? I don't want to finish playing. Let me, let me finish what I'm doing here. Dad, just a minute. And I wonder how many of us do the same thing when it comes to being obedient to God. Some of you have been holding out. You've been telling God no because you just want to keep playing. You just want to keep playing. You say to God, just a minute. And God's saying to you, don't wait. In fact, from the New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, says, For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. And if you notice in the same verse where the son says, I will not, it also says, but later he changed his mind and went. In the same verse, he says, no, I'm not going to go, dad. But then he changes his mind in the same verse, and he goes. And the, the New American Standard says that verse this way, and he answered, I will not, but afterward he regretted it 
and went. You see, there was a realization that the fact that he was saying no to his father, that wasn't right. Being disobedient wasn't the right thing to do, and he changed his mind and was obedient to his father. And so the question is, what about you this morning? Do you need to repent? To, to stop going down the path that leads to destruction? To do a U-turn and head down the path that leads to eternal life? Do you need to change your mind about how you're living and begin to obe- be obedient to your Heavenly Father? And I would encourage you this morning that none of us have gone too far. There's nothing in your life that you have done that God can't forgive you for. And let me say just maybe another way. God will forgive you for anything you've done in your life if you're truly repentant. If you desire for God to change you. And in fact, in verse 31 of our parable this morning, Jesus lists off some pretty notorious sinners of that day that would be entering heaven ahead of the religious leaders. And it was a very provocative thing to say, and it warrants some thought. C.S. Lewis thought about it and concluded, prostitutes are in no danger of finding their present life so satisfactory that they need not or cannot turn to God. The proud and the self-righteous, on the other hand, are in that danger. See, C.S. Lewis is getting at the fact that if you think you're holy and mighty and above everybody else, you got it all figured out, those are the ones that are in danger of not turning their life over to God. But maybe someone that is so down in the dumps that's hit rock bottom, and maybe you've experienced that in your own life, or maybe you know of someone today that's going through some really rough times. They need hope. They need God. They need someone to depend on, to rely on. And in this story, if this story teaches us anything, it teaches us that no one's situation is hopeless. No matter how bad and rebellious you might think you've been, you can choose today to receive the gift of grace that God offers each and every one of us. And maybe if you've already received that gift, you have the responsibility to share that gift, to share the hope with someone that's struggling, that needs to turn and as we examine this first son, we got to really understand what Jesus is saying. That He's saying that sometimes the people who are the furthest from God, the most alienated in our cultures, those are the ones that we need to reach out to. Those are the ones that are ready and, and willing to hear the good news. They need some good news in their life, and the good news is that Jesus can transform them. They can go from darkness to light. They can be as Briley, a new creation. Scripture speaks about the fact that we can become new creatures in Christ. And early on, 
this son, he wasn't heading in the right direction. And maybe for some of you this morning, you're not heading in the right direction. But God offers grace and forgiveness. He offers the opportunity to go work in the vineyard if we're willing to change our mind and go. And as we look at this first son, my prayer is that for us longtime Christians, that we don't fall into the trap of the second son. As illustrated here in this parable, I pray that we're not the ones that talk the talk, but don't really walk the walk. And again, if you were to take notes this morning, I would encourage you to write down people whose profession is better than their practice. I pray that there were, we're not those people that are really good at professing, but not really very good at practicing. And in verse 30 of chapter 21, it says, Then the father went to the other son and said, Son, go work today in the vineyard. He answered, I will, sir, but did not go. And many of you here this morning are in the place of the brother who said, Yes, Father, I will go work in the vineyard. And you say that you believe. But the question is, do you ever really make it to the vineyard? Or do you say one thing and then do another? Just as the second son did. The father asked the son to, to go in the vineyard. And if you'll notice the response the response of the son was the all-good, son-like response. It was the, yes, I will. I'll go right away. I'll, I'll, get, I'll grab my bag and go, and I'm ready to work. He's going to get right on it. But he never makes it to the vineyard. He ultimately, ultimately was not obedient to his father's will. And these are people who begin well, and they're headed in the right direction to begin with, to start with, and yet then they get sidetracked along the way. And they end up not following where God is leading. And like the good boy, they're, they're good people, and we might say of them that they meant well, but meaning well doesn't really cut the mustard. It, it doesn't really, it's not really something that has an impact. And, and one of the ad councils, uh, as I was looking up illustration, they had a effective public service commercials that uh, the campaign was called Don't Almost Give. And here's one of the examples of their commercials. This is Sarah Watkins. A lot of people almost helped her. One almost cooked for her. Another almost drove her to the doctor. Still another almost stopped by to say hello. They almost helped. They almost gave of themselves. But almost giving is the same as not giving at all. Almost giving is the same as not giving at all. Almost helping is not really helping. Almost is the same as not at all. And if you think about that in your Christian walk, almost, it just doesn't get the job done. It, it doesn't cut it. Promises are just that, promises. Good intentions are only good intentions. 
There's an old saying that has been around for a long time. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. And in all reality, some of us come here and we put on a show maybe. We don't really believe in what's being preached. And we don't really want to change. We, want, we refuse to believe we really need to change. And this little piece of our life that we call church, well, we like that because, you know, it doesn't really cause us to, to do anything different in our lives. It doesn't cause us to stop watching the shows that we always like to watch or speak the way that we like to speak or hang out with the people that we like to hang out with. It just kind of makes us feel good maybe once a week and holy and warm and fuzzy inside. And I wonder how many of us have that mentality. And in our story, there's these two sons. And again, one son begins by saying he will not live a life of devotion to God, but then in the end, he does. And the other son represents people who say they will be devoted followers of Jesus Christ, But in the end, they are not. And neither is a perfect son. But Jesus points out that despite his original rebelliousness, the first son, his eventual obedience is ultimately better than that of the other son who said he would be obedient and was not. And so I ask myself the question, am I one of those Pharisees that Jesus is calling out? The one that walks around spiritual, but it's not necessarily living out God's spirit living inside of me? And as I read through this parable many times, I thought about how awesome would it be to have a third son in this parable? Wouldn't that be awesome? I just thought about how amazing it would be to think about a third son that not only said he would go into the vineyard, but then actually did go into the vineyard. I wonder how happy God would be with us as his sons and daughters if not only we would say that we're going to follow what his word teaches us, but that we actually obey and do follow That we would be sons and daughters that would say yes and actually go to the vineyard and work. And so I want to close by challenging us. May we be people whose profession and practice meet and match. May we be people whose profession and practice meet and match up. As Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You see, ideally, our words and our actions should be consistent with what it means to be a follower of Christ. However, the truth is that neither son was an ideal son. We all are going to make mistakes But my prayer is that we shoot for being people whose profession and practice meet and match. See, we need to be a church that is above reproach. May we be a people who begin well and continue well. 
that we would be free from criticism, that no one can accuse us of being hypocrites, that Gandhi, in his famous quote, could not say of us, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. You see, that's, that's not how it's supposed to be. And when it comes to Paradise Valley Christian Church, that's not how it's going to be. We're going to be people that not only say we're going to live for Christ, but that we're going to be people that actually live for Jesus Christ. We as followers of Christ need to be followers of Christ, both in our word and in our deed. And so as the praise team comes, I want to leave you with this. If you're already in Christ, and you haven't begun to work in the vineyard, today's a new day. You can start fresh. The question is, will you recommit your life to being obedient to whatever God calls you to? Don't just talk the talk, but really walk the walk. If you're someone who has been saying no to God, and you're saying, just a minute, I, I want to keep playing, I would encourage you to stop. To stop playing games with God. To get right with God. To make Jesus your Lord and Savior by repenting of your sins. By confessing Him as your Lord and Savior. By being baptized into Christ. To walk in newness of life. To receive the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. That each and every day from this day on you would live faithfully for God. If that's you this morning, will you come as we sing? Will you stand with us, please? The altar, Father's arms are open.